Hi everyone, welcome to Kwekako. I'm Bele Vemoso and I'm your host. Before I talk a little bit about our episode, I just wanted to say that this past weekend we did attend the protest here in Brisbane City um, for Black Lives Matter. And um, if you haven't seen my footage from that, please go check it out on my YouTube channel or on my Instagram. The murder of George Floyd has sparked outrage all over the world and also here in Australia. And it was a really harsh reminder of how our indigenous people here in Australia are also treated with the same disregard by law enforcement. Over 30,000 people were there and I'm so proud of Brisbane as a city but I really do hope that everyone keeps the same energy um, after this all blows over which I don't think will be anytime soon. I think all the Karens will be a little bit uncomfortable for a little bit longer and so be it. But remember to stay informed, do your own research, correct behaviour that just shouldn't fly, racist behaviour that is, um, even if it happens under your own roof, within your own family. Nip it in the bud there so they don't have to be corrected out in these streets. But also just be a decent human being. As I do my own research, I will be putting out more content related to Black Lives Matter. And I've got to admit that sometimes I hesitate to post some things um, for the fear of people or for, for the fear of what other people think um, and people thinking that I'm doing it as um, clout chasing or I'm just a sheep. Um, but I hope that my my own podcasts and things that I've been doing um, prove to you that it's not just that for me. I am really passionate about this and yeah, let's continue to do better. But a little bit about our next guest. Um, so I spoke to Tyson, I think last month or the month before, and I'm finally putting it out. Um, I've just been, I don't know, a bit lazy. But it was a really good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. There's not really much to say about it, except it's pretty self-explanatory. We did talk for over an hour. So yeah, I'll just let you listen to it. But thank you, Tyson, for doing this. I've wanted to talk to him for the longest time, just because I feel like he's an intellectual and he's also out here in the drag world and doing things and yeah without further ado here's my conversation with tyson goddard Hi, Poochers. Welcome back to Queer Coco. Today's special guest is Tyson Goddard, um, also known as Evangeline, one third of Thick Shake Dance Crew, um, <laughs> member of Runway Movement and daughter of House of Alexander. Um, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. No, I'm good. Just been chilling. Oh, what's been going on? How are you going with, this, with all this COVID stuff? Oh, actually, well, I mean... I've- doing my part and just like you know making sure you know stay isolated and don't do anything silly but um i've actually kind of been enjoying it 
which yeah. I feel guilty for saying when I know some people are really going through it. But um, it's been nice having all of this time off, to be honest. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah. So I kind of read a bit of your resume just before. Um, are you able yeah. to tell us about yourself and what you do? Oh, sure. So, um, well, in the daytime, I'm a special needs teacher aide, but a lot of my career time goes towards, um, you know, being a drag queen, um, being a member of Thick Shake. Um, yeah, so I basically manage the group. I take care of like all of our bookings and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just been an interesting year learning the ropes on um, what it's like being in entertainment, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah, basically that's where I'm at now with it. But for now, we're sort of got a lot of productions in the works. So we've got like a lot of theater stuff that's coming up and we're just getting used to that and like learning the ropes with all of that. So. Yeah, like I, it's. I, I feel like there's not a definite definition to what I do, but mm-hmm. I feel because I feel like the role just keeps expanding. Yeah. Like as as months have gone by, we've just learned that there's more layers to it. So yeah, yeah. But for now, that's that's where we're at at the moment. Yeah. So in short, you're everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um. So I asked this of all my guests and. Yeah, I always say I hate this question, but I think I've gotten comfortable asking it. Um, so, um, when did you know you were a little bit different? And um, yeah, tell us a bit about your coming out story. No, I like that question. No, when you were a little bit different, that's such an interesting way to put it. Um, oh, definitely when I was little. I mean, we all know, like, yeah. you know, I don't think it came as a surprise to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, I guess like, you know, it starts off being when you're very little and like you're not into the same things that the other little boys are into or and all that kind of stuff. Like that's where you sort of start to know. But I guess like I didn't really start to really grasp what that meant for me till I was in high school. But because I grew up in a very, like very religious family, um, and in a small town as well. I didn't come out properly to my parents till I was 29, which was last year. Um, I had been living openly, like well, amongst my group of friends, but like my social life and my family life were completely cut off. Mm-hmm. So like they were, they were just two separate halves. I think my parents always knew, but they more like they they knew that I, you know, was gay or as they would call it in Christian circles, like going through like something. Um, <laughs> but it, so when I came out to them, it was less of a, I'm gay. It was more of like a, I'm not doing the struggle anymore. Like I'm just mm-hmm. deciding, like I'm, I'm making the decision that I'm going to just live openly just so you know, this isn't something that's just a passing phase. So yeah, yeah. for me, it was like less of a coming out and more of like a commitment if you know what I mean. But um, no, I did that in the, I I did it in a, um, I I had the opportunity to do that with a family therapist sitting there. Wow. So it it was, yeah, it was a very like good environment to do that in. I would suggest if you are planning to come out to your family, it's really good to have someone there that's supportive. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my coming out. I, I basically did that because, like, you know, everything with Thick Shake was taking off. 
Um, there was just a lot in my drag career that I was very proud of and I wanted to yeah. be openly proud of. So I was like, no, I don't want to keep like hiding that anymore. I want to be able to live that openly. So yeah, it's such yeah, an effort. <laughs> it is. It honestly is, especially like when you're in a Polynesian family because you're sort of raised that your family's everything. So you have to kind of also in that moment be prepared that you might lose a part of your life that's so important. And that was really what I came to when I, I had people around me, me like my younger sister and my younger brother and my friends and family that were like, look, like we know you're like scared of like losing all those important family moments and stuff, but you know what, we'll be here. So I had to sort of have in my mind that I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be lonely. I just won't have my family and mm-hmm. I deserve this. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of where I, the, the crossroads I had to be at mentally. Yeah. For yeah, all of that to happen. I saw recently that on your Facebook that you celebrated one year. You like um one year mm. of telling your family. Um yeah. how has everything changed for you since that time? Has it even Um I think it's it's funny, but I think in telling my family, like um I kinda gained a lot of respect from them. Um I spelt it out to them when I when I came out, I spelled it out to my parents. I was like, you guys, when you think of me coming out or you think of me being gay or living a gay lifestyle, all you think of is like the, the, the stereotypical stuff. Like it's all sex and drugs and clubbing mm-hmm. and drinking and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of like bad, bad negative stereotypes that like come Uh, like you know into play when people think of like living a gay lifestyle but I said it's so much more than that you know it's the fact that I grew up like going through the same things that other people did emotionally with relationships Mm -hmm. but I had to deal with that on my own I didn't have family that I could come and cry to like I couldn't Mm -hmm. come and cry to you if I had like a bad breakup with a boyfriend I couldn't come to you and um, talk to you about like where I was at emotionally and mentally because of um, the things that I was struggling with as a young gay teen, like a lot of it is just loneliness because you don't feel like you can talk to your family about it. And I think in, in saying that to my to my parents, like they they gained a lot of respect from me knowing mm-hmm. that what I was kind of going through. And I'm realizing that in a lot of ways, like, like especially when you're in the closet, like you've got to grow up emotionally very quickly because mm-hmm. you've got to depend on yourself. So... I think there was like that mutual respect from my parents. They've like been really good. It's never really been brought up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they've become a lot more respectful in the things that they say. Like before I came out, they could get away with like making sly jokes or remarks or stuff that was like homophobic. But mm-hmm. they, they and the rest of the family have been really respectful of it and have really just done their best effort to make sure I knew I wasn't excluded. Um, but yeah, we've never, we haven't talked about it since, but I, you know, have been glad to just sort of at least start that journey. Like the next is, I guess, when the next one, we're still waiting on that. Like they don't know I do drag and they don't know have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just waiting a bit to drop those bombs because, you know, yeah. don't want to give them a heart attack or anything. But yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's been interesting. It's been yeah, very I- interesting. So I noticed on that post that when, so from a year ago, that you told your friends and family not to bring it up to your parents. And 
I can relate to that in so many ways because yeah. you kind of um kind of balancing wanting to tell your truth, but then you also want to protect them as well. Um, and that's something that never yeah. goes away. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, your family is a, um, a very Christian family. Do you, can you say that you you follow those beliefs mm. still? And um, ah, no! do you struggle with? Yeah. Your Look, the thing is, I don't. Re- I won't lie and say it's all been. But I would be. I would be lying to say that there isn't a some kind of like journey going on there. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but I, I don't struggle with it so much in that I had to get all of that stuff in order before I came out to my parents because I knew to come out to my parents, I was risking, there was a 50-50 chance that, because I've tried to come out to my parents before when I was younger and it didn't go well. Mm. And so I knew that coming out to them now, I was like, no, like this, there's a 50-50 chance that I might not see them again. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I had to be sure in my own self that I was okay with this on a lot of different levels. And one of those levels was spiritually, like it had to be okay with me and my soul. And I remember like one night, like this was two years before I came out to my parents. Like I was just laying in bed and I was like, I like said, you know, I was praying about it and I was like in tears and I was like, okay, God, like if this is what you want for me, like, or if this isn't what you want for me, I, you know, I need to know like everything's too unclear. I don't know where to look. I don't know how to like seek guidance about this. Like, but I am coming out to myself now that, you know, I am a gay man and Mm -hmm. this is the life that, that I was born to lead. Um, you know, and I was kind of waiting to feel some kind of like guilt. I was kind of waiting to feel some kind of like uh, something that was going to tell me that this was wrong. And to be honest, I never felt that. And mm-hmm. then I had a lot of realizations that I wasn't worried about. I, I was really less worried about my relationship with God and my faith. And I was more so worried about my relationship with my parents. Like, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, I felt like in that moment, I felt like God say, your your problem isn't with me. That's not where the problems are going to lie. It's going to be with your relationship with your parents. And my, my faith has always been very important to me. Um, you know, it's always been a central part of, of my belief system and who I am as a person. But I was kind of like, okay, if this is real, if what I want to do is real, like, I need to like, know where I'm at. So I had to do a lot of soul searching before I came out to my parents. And that was really a two year process of even me then like delving into theology and um, just studies and researches that had been done on, on how and whether the Bible actually really has a problem with homosexuality because it's a, it's a big gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people would think from the way that churches talk that it would be a huge issue in the Bible. And the truth is, it's not really even mentioned more mm-hmm. than three times, I think, mm-hmm. in the whole Bible. You know, so that's like thousands of years of scripture and writing, and it's only mentioned about three times. You know, and in those three times, those three times it's mentioned is very watery. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like had a realization that a lot of like the things that I was putting on myself to do with Christianity and homosexuality um, were things that I'd been taught by men. And they weren't Mm. things I felt like I'd actually been taught 
by God or through my own faith or if I just sat down myself with a Bible, I felt like I wasn't going to get the attitude towards homosexuality that I was taught from people. Yeah. You know, so where I'm at spiritually, I often say when people ask me that question is that I don't have all the answers. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best person to come to, but I'm good. Yeah. You know, like what I, what I have found and what I have like researched for myself, I'm good with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to answer that question in the shortest way possible, that would be it. <laughs> yeah. I, I often wonder about the Bible too and how it's been translated so many times and like by mm. who, like by whom, yeah. like, um, and what, like what they've added to it to make it like beneficial to yeah. them. So I always wonder about that kind of thing. Um, I grew up in the church as well and um, I struggle with religion mm. and like I believe in God and I believe in all everything but yeah organized mm. religion is just not the move <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, like what was your experience growing up in like church space was there ever a time when you thought it was not safe for you oh, funnily enough I didn't actually grow up in the church space because my family left um, like any kind of like organized religion when I was really young mm. and they did that because they my family as a whole felt that churches were going in a wrong direction um, they kind of felt like people were getting soft in churches like I, you know how like during the 90s there was kind of like that shift from like traditional church services to like you know stemming from like I think Movements like this started from like the 50s and the 60s with people like, you know, um, oh, I forget his name now, of like Billy Graham. Like that was where like that shift started into churches being sort of contemporary and mm-hmm. more um, modernized, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So my family were like, you know, Baptists, like traditional Baptists through and through. Um, and so really I ended up taking myself back to church when I was about 16. Wow. So like I, I, I took myself back to church because I sort of had some Christian friends at school. Um, they said that they used to go to like youth on a Friday night. So I took myself along. Um, yeah, so that didn't happen until I was in high school. And then really from there, I was heavily involved in churches till say about like 24, 25. Hmm. You know, like I was, I was always heavily serving. I was always like, you know, on band in youth, like that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess because churches are are a bit more liberal these days, like I didn't feel like it was an unsafe environment, but it it definitely like I couldn't have. It was a lot of the churches that I was involved in. I will say they have they can have like a very cultish kind of like. Um, environment where you are afraid to like just say your piece because you know you'll get put down the ranks or you'll Mm -hmm. become an outcast and this is your whole world this is your social circle so you don't want to not be included Mm -hmm. so for that reason I I didn't sort of I didn't really say things Um, yeah but I wouldn't say that I felt unsafe but I having said that that I know that's definitely not the reality especially for like a lot of Polynesians that go to their family's church, if you know what I mean. Like, for mm-hmm. me, it was very different because I was going to a church like Hillsong. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't you chose crazy. Yeah, but I chose to go there myself and then I chose to leave. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know. So, yeah, but it's, I've got a very different experience to uh, probably like a lot of Islanders to a lot of Polynesians who sort of I didn't even ask you, you what was your, your background, your ethnic background? I didn't even ask, how rude. Well, I'm Fijian, um, but there's, I, I normally just say I'm, I'm half Fijian, half someone because um, I'm adopted. So my dad is white and my mom is, is Fijian Vanuatu, but I am not from their family at all. So I was like, you know, adopted through the court system. And um, I always grew up thinking I was 100% Fijian. And I knew I didn't look Fijian, but I just kind of thought, I don't know, I must have just been like, you know, mixed with something. And then um, in recent research and finding like a bit more out about my birth parents, um, it looks like I'm probably half someone and maybe possibly not, don't have any Fijian in me at all. But um, yeah, I just say half Fijian, half someone because that's what I know and relate yeah. to. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, how was it dating? Like, were you dating in the church? Like, is, was that a thing? Oh, I was. Like, there was there was one girl that I was dating, um, and it. I've. It's it's interesting. Like, um, there was one girl I did fall head over heels in love with. Like, I was in love. Like, and I I could have like married her, but I think like, like. I'm, I think that that didn't happen for obvious reasons. Like, you know, I, I wasn't meant to, to do that. And I think I would have been unhappy in that lifestyle. Um, but yeah, you, you do feel like a pressure to sort of get out there and prove yourself. But um, yeah, for me, like it was, it wasn't too bad to be honest. Like, cause I'm not like, I, I'm technically, I guess I would be classed as bisexual. So for me, it wasn't a problem but I wasn't really living my full life. So I knew that to, to really commit to that would be sort of denying myself. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. I didn't have too bad of an experience, mm. you know? But we've all been there. We've all been, <laughs> we've all been through those stages where we're like, you know, this is my girlfriend. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh. and, everyone's, <laughs> and everyone's just kind of like, oh, so does she know yet? Or <laughs> that poor girl. <laughs> that poor girl. <laughs> um, yeah. So dating in general, is that, has that been a challenge for you? Um, like, yeah, has it been a challenge? Since coming out? Yeah. You mean like since coming out? Oh, I think it's like, look, I, I would say when you don't, know what you're doing in like I like I didn't know what it was like dating guys and dating guys is so different to dating girls and in a lot of ways it's harder like so I did not know what I was doing like the first like couple of years that I started to like date guys openly and um I would say it's very hard like it's extremely hard you have to really grow a thick skin um, because it was well, the lesson that I've learned and like, I don't know if your experience is the same, but guys are just flaky, you know, like guys are just, they're just flaky. Like they, they have, a, they come with a myriad of commitment issues. Like, you know, mm -hmm. especially, uh, when you're like me and I had like the kiss of death on me, cause I was like into Polynesians and that's probably the worst thing you can be into because none of them are out, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like none of them are out to their families. So it's like, you just live in this promise of like, They'll come out when they're ready. Like, yeah, girl, they'll break up. They'll break up with their girlfriend. Yeah. 
they'll break up with their girlfriend. It's like, girl, you'll be waiting for years. <laughs> do yourself a favor and yeah. don't date DLs. Like, you know, don't mm-hmm. do it. But um, no, yeah, it was like, a, it's, a, it's a hard one. Like, and then you sort of like feel bad. Like, I don't know if you've been through this, but if you ever like felt bad for girls, like when you, when you look at how like guys are, sometimes like, God, girls go through it. Like I can understand yeah. now why so many of them, mm-hmm. like I used to look at girls and be like, God, she's a crazy bitch. Why is she like that with a boyfriend? But yeah. now I'm like, I get it. Cause now I'm the crazy bitch. Like yeah, yeah. I'm a crazy bitch right now. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's like terrible. I and totally get that. Like in the gay community. Yeah. You know, like everyone's trying to like one up each other as well. So yeah. it's just sort of like everyone's in each other's business. So. Yeah, but no, I'm in a I'm in a good relationship now. I'm in probably the healthiest relationship I've been in, like my yeah. whole life. So I've learned my lessons. A lot of that like comes from, like I stopped looking, I, I or not stopped looking, but I started like, I've just learned to pick up on my red flags quicker, which yeah. is so stunted for I guess like a thirty year old to be saying. Um, but yeah, I had to, I learned that one very slowly when I can see, yeah, when you see like the red flags coming up, it's like, pay attention to those. Like, like Oprah says, like, you've got to, you know, you can either like listen to the pebbles being dropped on your head before the brick gets dropped on your head. So it's like, I've got to pick up on the pebbles because I've taken too many bricks in my lifetime to tell you, like, you know. But no, I'm a it's, big it's believer in signs hard. too, and like when I I ignore them on purpose because I'm just like, no, I'll be good. <laughs> oh my gosh, what's your star sign? I'm a Virgo. Oh, uh, I'm a Pisces. So like, I'm that is so my trait. Like, I've got like <laughs> a lot of water in my chart. So like, a lot of me is just like a hopeless romantic. Like, yeah, it's funny because I'm like half like like I like I've got like a lot of um. Capricorn in my chart as well so it's like half of me is just like girl don't do it like you know what happened last time and then the rest of me is like no because love can heal everything yeah so you know I just uh, I throw all caution to the wind and I'm just like I can do it and then when like I'm hurt and heartbroken it's kind of like so dramatic like I'm such a dramatic like heartbroken person like (laughs) so (laughs) you know like it's really like ugh it's terrible, but that's me to a T. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a hopeless romantic. Yeah, hopeless. I'm gonna stay that way too till I die. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so <laughs> you mentioned that you're in a relationship now. Um, yeah. How's that been for you? Because I know it's quite new, and you're really yeah, particular it, on social media. <laughs> yeah, I've I've kind of just like learned. I've learned that, and uh, to be honest, like the guy that I'm dating like he's very when he saw like kind of what my social media looked like and all the fake shake stuff and just sort of how I am on social media he was a bit daunted by that he was like oh it's like you know and I'm like no don't worry like I won't subject you to that like you know we'll keep it we're just keeping it on the deal for the moment Mm -hmm. um you know just because it I found like it's best to just keep people out of your business like it's you know my close friends know about it my family knows about it and it's the same on his end but we just kind of keep it low key like you know just for now I've just learned that it's it's better that way like because once you sort of get everyone involved it has like everyone's opinions in it and that sort of thing and I guess I'm just older now so 
you know, I'm, I'm older and wiser, so I'm just sort of approaching it differently to how I've approached relationships in the past. But no, it's been really good. It's, it's interesting being with someone who is like very healthy for you. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. it's like, he, he'll do things that I sort of realized that it's like, oh, I like, it's like, I really like the fact that you thought about that or that you had the consideration to do that. It's like, it kind of like stuns you when you've been kind of like programmed by your past experiences to expect something different. Yeah. So it's very like, you know, it's, it's very interesting you know, being in, in that kind of like a healthy relationship, which is so sad to say. Like, it's so sad to... How bad is that? Relationship. How, how new? Like, it's so bad. Like, <laughs> concept. I know. Oh, my God. He's like, you know, I'm not actually like a bitch for expecting him to talk to me every day. Like, you know, like, it's crazy. Like, but... No, but yeah, it's been very good. It's been really, a really lovely experience. So I'm just seeing where it goes. Um... You know, and especially like with all this like coronavirus stuff, like it makes it hard. But you know, I mean, we live in a world of 21st century technology, so I can't mm-hmm. complain too much. I mean, you, you gotta know. wipe your camera; it's a bit smudgy. <laughs> oh no, no I'm that's just probably just my camera. That's probably. No, I'm just honest, kidding. I just... <laughs> no, I meant from your um, virtual. Um... <laughs> oh girl that's what i'm saying like you know it's the camera's ruined now <laughs> it's, it's seen too much for its days don't worry <laughs> look you've got to like make sure you've got to you got to spice it up somehow you know yeah <laughs> but i've learned like you know i've learned that like i either need to get a waterproof case because i gotta stop taking it in the shower because i go in there and i like play you know like i i think i'm doing like the beyonce world concert series but it's just <laughs> yeah it's not dealing well with that <laughs> I'm one of those gays. Wait, what? What? What kind of gay? Like, I'm one of those gays. Like, I don't sing in the shower. I perform. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's very that. I was saying to my daughter the other day. She like put up like a favorite song. One of my drag daughters put up like her favorite songs. I was like, oh, that song. I was like, I've been performing that in the shower on and off, like for like the last yeah. like five years of my life during weeks. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. She's like, what? And I'm like, no. I said perform, not sing. <laughs> like, there's choreography. Just so you know. <laughs> I could not. <laughs> Um, Sorry, what so, were you going to say before I cut you off? Oh, no. I was going to go back to dating, but with... Yeah. So, I'm glad that you're in a healthy relationship. Congratulations. <laughs> I think we're yeah. about the same age. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, how... What was dating like? We talked a bit about how toxic down low guys are. Um, yeah. Was there, a really, was there one experience that really put you off? doing that? Uh, to be honest, I think it was just, it wasn't one singular experience. Like, it was just, like, when I started noticing, like, just a pattern that was emerging, not just with them, but myself. Like, I was just kind of like, God, you don't get the, you don't pick up the hints, do you? Like, I, like mm-hmm. I would sort of just be, you know, and then it would be like, okay, Tyson, like, learn your lessons quick. And then, like, when something would just happen and it would fall apart, I would be like, okay, I can't even deny that I saw the signs. Yeah. Like, I saw this happening again. I can't even deny that. Like, mm-hmm. so I, it was more that I got to a point where I was like, all right, like, you, like, 
you obviously don't have the self-control. Like, so I knew that I needed to do more things to just protect my own mental health, basically. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, you know, you can't even go there. Like, don't even, yeah. don't even, don't even go there. Don't even give it a thought. Um, don't like, cause you can't help yourself. If you hear like all the promises and you hear all like, all that kind of like romantic stuff, like you're just going to get sucked into it. So mm -hmm. it was very that it's like, not you can't even, you can't even trust yourself. So, yeah. you know, I just had to like learn that lesson. But if I wanted to be protective of my own self-worth and my own mental health, I had to just like learn to give myself boundaries because I couldn't even, I couldn't even protect my own boundaries when it came to other people breaking them. Like, because I wasn't respecting my own boundaries myself, you know? Yeah. So I just had to like really be firm on those and really like stick to them. So basically, yeah, I wouldn't say it was one experience. It was like a, it was like a journey. Yeah. yeah. I have had so many experiences with, with straight guys and I have brothers that are obviously straight and what I see a lot of them do, like they bring in a lot of baggage with them. So as you said before, mm. commitment issues, um, mummy issues. <laughs> um, and they oh, like totally. to throw everyone under the bus. Like it's everyone's responsibility and everyone's fault that something happened. Um, yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, definitely. I would find that like, I, I don't really, like, I feel like that's like not even just a, a D-Lo trait. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's just like a, it's like a guy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if that sounds terribly sexist, but I mean, like, I've just found, like, it's rare that you find a guy who, and myself included, like, I know I can be included in this. It's mm -hmm. rare you find someone who's willing to kind of, like, own their shit when they know they've been shit in relationships. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, I can give, I can give a bit of leeway in terms of the fact that, like, as gay boys, like, especially, look, and I'll just say it, like, brown boys are so much more stunted when it comes to dating in the gay world. Yeah. Anything anything queer and, and minority, mm -hmm. like, is stunted because I would say, like, I know a lot of, like, my white friends that they come out when they're 14 or they come out when they're 12 and their family thinks it's cool and wants to meet their boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. that, you know, that is not the case in a lot of brown households, Asian, Polynesian, you know, African, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, in a lot of, like, brown households, like, it is not like that. So we're stunted. So mm -hmm. we get into the dating world and we, like, whereas everyone else can sort of get over their asshole phase in high school mm -hmm. and their early 20s, we're still figuring ourselves out by the time we reach 30. Ooh. Like, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, like, we're still, like, we're still figuring our shit out. So we're still, you know... You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer that, you know, as as much of a victim or the star of your own movie you think you are, you're always the asshole in someone else's. Like, yeah. so I, I would say it goes for all of us. Like, I would say, yeah, it's not really even just a, a, a DL trait. It's like, okay, guys in general are just like, you know, we're learning and sometimes that can make us be hurtful to other people. You know, I find that, and that's where it is. Like a lot of people, like you know, you, it's rare you find guys that are like ready to like own up to to their to their own toxic behavior. But mm -hmm. a lot of those guys, you know, that their toxic behavior is also damaging to themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, they're also going through some shit as well. So, yeah. you know, like it's it's sort of like a cycle. I find like I don't know if you, I don't know if your experience has sort of been the same, but that's what I've kind of found. Like I know that there are some situations where even I like was dating a guy, and I'm like, okay, like. 
Tyson, what are you doing? You know, you're you're only kind of like doing this because like, I don't know. I needed my ego like yeah, like built cute. up after about <laughs> yeah, yeah, like exactly like, and I'm like, okay, I'm being the toxic one now. Yeah, you know, like I could even like I I can definitely like own that, but I mean, it is. I mean, you know, like it it, it is very like that though out there in the gay like dating scene, like you know. It's hard. Like I was only yeah. just talking about this with my friends the other day and we were saying how like it's so, um, you, like if you don't have sort of like a thick skin, I know a lot of my friends who are just afraid to even, they're, they're just afraid to get on apps like Tinder because of the rejection mm-hmm. and you know how like, you know, they feel like, you know, a lot of guys just want to mess with you kind of mm-hmm. thing. like. And uh, you know, it's really sad to see that because like I do have like a, a lot of my friends that are like, you know, they're, they've sort of resigned themselves to, you know, just being like, well, I'm I'm just not going to date. Like, mm-hmm. it's just too hard. It's And it's sad to hear that, honestly. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the apps, like, I've been blocked before and it, it sucks. And then, like, I've done it too because of my, like, standards, like, what I am mm. to be attractive. And it's always, like, mm. the masculine guys that I keep in, like, the guys that um, that kind of are a bit more feminine on their profiles. I'm just, like, block, <laughs> block, 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 block. <laughs> but I'm just so guilty of it. And I was going to ask you something. Um, how has it been for you? Um, so I consider myself to be very mm. feminine. Um, mm. Has your... Has part of you becoming um, a drag superstar um, later in life, has that um, had anything to do with being policed, um, being gender policed when you were younger? Oh, um, I, I mean, we all joke about it and say, you know, that it, it is like, you know, I mean, we're all just like, you know, mom, if you had have just bought me that Barbie doll for Christmas, all <laughs> of this could have been avoided. Like, yeah. you know, but, I, I don't know, like, I feel it's, even that in itself has been something I've had to figure out because, like, I, like, when I first started doing drag, it was just, like, a work uniform for me. Like, it was just, okay, like, because I was performing a Thick Shake as a boy, but then, like, a lot of, like, the, the clubs and, like, us particular, like, we were working for a production at the time and they were, like, we'd really like to see you in drag. Like, we'd really like to see you, you know, was that it? Can we do that? And so I was just like, okay, yeah, sure. Like it was just, I wasn't terribly attached to my drag persona. I wasn't like really taking too much care in it either. Like I was just kind of like slapping everything on because it was just like, it was it was for a paycheck. And then as I've kind of gone and it's become more of an art form, it really has like, I kind of like, I'm like, oh, I'm like having these like, you know, like these, I'm letting go of like inhibitions I think I mm-hmm. used to have and it's kind of nice to have that to have that kind of like freedom to to sort of play with pretty things you know what I mean like because yeah. as a like before I did drag even when I was like living like living openly as a gay man like I still like always was like male presenting like yeah. I didn't really fuck around with it and all that kind of stuff but um 
yeah now doing drag it's like interesting like having the friend now i find like i'm like you know i never used to be one who cared about like online shopping or like you know like my friends that are like especially luna like interact she loves online shopping like she's always shopping for luna like she's always like on on something and and you know building her wardrobe up and i was never that way and then it's interesting though like since i've kind of like like picked up on what my drag face is and what my aesthetic is like now i feel like i'm like taking those liberties as well like i'm excited to like you know build up evangeline's wardrobe and build up like you know what she what she looks like as a as a girl and it's very mm-hmm. like especially because like i kind of like i like to sort of paint fishy like whether i actually look fish is like debatable but you, too. you know like <laughs> but like it's sort of like um yeah, it's just, it's been fun. I think, like, it, it is. There's a lot of, like, stuff from my childhood that's, like, coming back and I'm, like, en- enjoying it. Like, I'm kind yep. of, like, getting into my zhuzh a bit more. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's been, it's it's been interesting. I feel like there's a lot of stuff as well that I think what it really is is that out of all of, like, the, the thick shake girls, like, we all love our urban culture, but I love, like, 50s, like, Hollywood, like, old mm-hmm. glamour. Like, I've yep. always been, like, about, like, period costumes and all that kind of stuff yeah. i saw so, what you like, wore at the ball as well oh thank you it was like yeah. you know girl it was like that you know that costume was like so slapped together in like the last like was it like yeah that was literally i went to the shop and bought like i think 15 meters of tool and then they just attached it with a belt and then like my whole concept was that i was trying to recreate my like i have like a fiji and like traditional costume that i was lent to me by a friend and the category I was walking was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cultural, like, futurism. So it was, yeah. like, Pacifica futurism. And I kind of took inspiration from Black Panther in that they kind of used a lot of traditional shapes, but with modern colours or modern shapes with traditional patterns. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and recreate the silhouette of, like, my traditional Fijian, like, gear, and um, but make it all in black with black tool. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was kind of the inspiration for that. And literally, like, it was just me and Jem, like, just strapping, like, things to me with, like, a belt. And then I was just, like, yeah, like, found, like, someone's old, like, something and then, like, wrapped it around my head. Like, it was very last minute. <laughs> but it, like, served me well. Yeah. I'll admit it. So, it did me very well. Like, it did a lot of favors. So, I can't even complain about that. But yeah, that's sort of like where that's a lot of the stuff I want to get more into. Like, I love like representing culture and drag. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like a lot of the things that I'm I'm really looking forward to creating. Like, doing more looks, working with like, you know, like other designers as well. So it's all fun. You know, it's yeah. like getting to play dress ups as an adult <laughs> and mm-hmm. get paid for it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fun so cool. Too. You're living the yeah. dream for real. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing drag? Um, I have, like, I dream about it because it, it just seems so cool and, like... Yeah. Yeah, but I just could never. <laughs> it's a lot to start, but you should totally, like, come out, like... You should start doing it and, like, come out, like... F- like, uh, go out at night in drag. Like, you know, go out to, like, the yeah. clubs and stuff and have, like, a night out in drag. Because, like, I never got to do that because I just started... I was, like, already working. You were working. So it was just, yeah. like... So I had to go through all of the baby queen busted phase, like, in front of everyone. You know, yeah. look, I didn't get to be, like, a busted little baby queen with, like, terrible makeup, like, just, like, drunkenly, like, having fun in the club. Like, it was like, oh, you're doing, like, fluffies now. Like, we... Yeah. And I'm, like... And I'm walking out there looking terrible. 
Like, yeah. in my early days were <laughs> awful. But, you know, so I'm always, like, envious of people like, do you reckon, like, do it now before, like, you get asked to work or something like that, especially, yeah. like... With a lot of like the runway movement people when they're like oh i want to do drag i'm like start experimenting now have fun now yeah. with it <laughs> before mm-hmm. it gets too serious do you do your own makeup and... yeah i do my own makeup oh my like, gosh did you just learn is... oh, i've been doing it i would i would say i'm sort of like coming up on maybe like a year and a half since i oh my since God. I started maybe yeah so wow. i would I had to learn real quick, but I had good people around me to learn off. Yeah. Like I didn't really have to learn off like YouTube or anything, which I mean, I could have, but I had like people like Crimson, um, yeah. who was the, oh, one stunning. of the original three members. Yeah. She was like an uh, amazing makeup artist and she's like taught me like a lot of tricks and I've just sort of picked up stuff as I've gone along. Um, but I've had to really learn what I like because or else mm-hmm. I'm not going to like what I, I I'm not going to yeah. have fun in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I, I don't follow a lot of drag queen rules. Like I don't block my brows. I don't, you know, I basically do girl makeup yeah. and um, use my own brows and stuff. So I just had to sort of learn that. Like I'm not, I like, I'm not really, I don't really consider my drag to be like what, how some drag queens are, which is like, they look like walking pieces of art. Like mm-hmm. I just like kind of being a show girl. Yeah. You know, I just, I just like female presenting and then getting up and, and, and dancing like kind of thing yeah. like I'm not looking to sort of like do anything crazy or conceptual and stuff like that is far beyond my range but um yeah like I've just sort of like I I, I kind of learned that I like it you know yeah. and a lot of those kind of drag queens are like since drag race I guess like a lot of those kinds of drag queens have been looked down on like you know because yeah. it's not you know too conceptual or it's not but I'm just like I don't care I just want to look like a black girl like, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's my whole goal I'm just I'm just a thick girl out here trying to make it like that's all I can say what's the scene <laughs> been like has it been as catty as I f- picture it to be because I don't I have no idea what that world's like Oh look, yeah, I'd say yes and more. To be honest, yeah. like I'm, I, I don't like to give, like, this scene a bad rap because there are a lot of like, like I've had a lot of amazing opportunities and performed mm-hmm. in a lot of great places from the kindness of a lot of people that work on the scene. But look, I mean, we're all, if you can imagine it, it's like a whole bunch of repressed you know, dramatic theatre kids that just want more attention. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, no one gets into drag because they, they're not an attention seeker. You mm-hmm. know, like, if you're a yeah. drag queen, you're an attention seeker. Like, yeah. you know, so it's sort of like, um, it's, it's, it, it is very, like, I would say, like, Caddy's probably the wrong word for it. Like, mm-hmm. I'd say there's yeah. even, like, a lot of toxic, you know, there's, there is a lot of, like, undercurrent racism too. Mm. Um, a lot of it has really surprised me. I mean, I knew it was a little bit, I knew that it was a little bit biased and I thought that a lot of the people that I worked with in the scene might have just been maybe ignorant of, of POC struggles or ignorant of what's actually politically correct when it comes to like, um, what you can and can't say and do as a white person. But Mm -hmm. there is also just a lot of like, just out and out, just racism. Like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of queens out there. Like there's there's a one particular queen in, you know, that I, um, you know, a lot of stuff has come to light recently. And I was always suspicious on this person, but just to learn like the the actual like depth of, 
you know, the racism that is there is been really crazy. So it's, I mean, look, it's an entertainment industry. It's mm-hmm. going to be full of, of that kind of drama. Um, as much as I would like to say, oh, we're all sisters and stuff, like that's just not the truth. It mm-hmm. really isn't, you know. And I think, um, you know, the, it's been a learning curve for us, especially in Thick Shake, who we surround ourselves with. There's a lot of like drag queens out there that are very positive, like, you know, and that we love working with. They're just, you know, there's a, you know, you get those drag queens and it's just like, you just want to dress up and have a camp all the time. You know, you're just out here to have fun. There's a lot of those out there, but there is a lot of competition, you know? There's a lot of, um, you know, it's a lot of like female energy mixed with male energy. So it's like, it's just a very competitive kind of place. Yeah. But I mean, like we, I think we've worked ourselves into a position where we have, you know, we've sort of uh, carved out a place for ourselves in the scene. So we're like, mm-hmm. we're at that point where we're sort of like, well, look, we deserve to be here. Like yeah. if people have something to say, that's their problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've worked hard to, to get to where we are. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it is like, you know, I mean, and then you sort of like, even the people that aren't working in the industry, like, just like the people that you see out, there's always just ongoing some kind of some drama. Like, you know, like at the yeah. moment, I was, they say everything's at peace in girl world at the moment, but I'm sure it's, you know, it won't be too long before something else pops up. It's just very <laughs> like that. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's like that in a lot of gay scenes around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I've I've only ever been on the gay scene in Brisbane, um, and I I almost had no interest in ever being a part of it until I was working in it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just like yeah, it's it's it, to basically put it short, it's everything people would imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever people think, like we're not exaggerating. Like it's probably yeah. that and worse. So, yeah, it's a drag race. Yeah, workroom times a million. Oh, Drag Race has, like, just created that kind of, like... It's honestly created that kind of... Like, whatever it was before, I can't speak to, but I feel like Drag Race has really created that kind of, like... Because people get in drag and they get so... Like, you'll see these girls that are out in drag for the first time in their lives and immediately they're, like, trying to start fights with people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, girl, you're the new girl in town. You can't be doing that. Like, say goodbye Mm -hmm. to ever getting gigs. Like, no one's going to hire you now. Like, But they just... They're so used to it being like, well, I'm in drag so I can get away with it kind of thing. Like, it's... Yeah, it's it's definitely like a... It's like like untucked all the time, but on steroids (laughs) and with better security. And yeah. actual fist fights. Like, yeah. like oh. honestly, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so what's next for Thick Shake? Like, what do you have planned? Um, well, we were actually just going into um, our production of Galaxy, which is a continuation from a production we did last year for the Brisbane Sci-Fi Theatre Festival. Um, which, you know, as the title suggests, is a theatre festival where it explores all the different um, facets of science fiction. So, you know, last year we sort of like tackled space travel as like a metaphor for diversity, but there were also like a lot of other amazing productions that were on um, that year as well. Like I would definitely suggest everyone go to that festival and see it just because there's so much local talent there. Um but um, yeah, that was sort of what we were heading into next. Um, we've got like a few things like that we've got in the works in terms of like other theater productions. Um, 
that we want to get underway. Like we are currently, we've currently been like working a bit closely with a few guys from QPAC, like nothing's nailed down, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're looking at like sort of like possibly doing a development for a theater production there. Yeah. So we don't know what that looks like yet, but we're just sort of like, hashing out all the details we ask ourselves as as like girls we're sort of learning the ropes of what it's like to create a theater production Mm. um the processes that you go through um yeah the 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 kinds of things that you need to look like how we tell a story in a theater setting because i mean at the end of the day we're three dancers so you know we're three dancers but we've got stories that we want to tell so we're, we're just figuring out how we do that in the language of theater which obviously is completely different from just doing a dance showcase um so yeah it's sort of like um yeah it's very that like it's it's at the moment it's i think everything's been put on hold because of like this COVID 19 stuff but um yeah that's sort of what we've got next it's a lot of it's a lot of theater stuff surprisingly like which we're very grateful for i mean this is like a it's it's like a really good medium to work with you know like it's very like um it it allows you to be very self-indulgent so we've really been getting into like the what stories do we want to tell what kind of like and not just our own but universal stories you know Mm -hmm. like what what the stories of like you know um queer poc struggles um you know, as you know, Ella's like very much about trans representation, trans activism. So she is um, like really on top of that. Like she kn- she knows how she wants to tell her stories, and mm-hmm. so it's 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 been like a really good learning curve to just sort of be able to sit and, and dream about like you know, well, all the stuff that we want to say that we can't say in a two minutes thirty club routine. Like, what can we say in settings like this? So. Yeah, it's very that. We've got some other things coming up as well that I can't really talk about, but like we're very excited for how we want to hit things when all of this dries up. So, yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of waiting for, waiting out this like coronavirus. And for someone to give us a date, like. (laughs) Please. Legit. Um, What was it like walking in Mardi Gras last, this year, this year? Yeah, this Two year. Ago. I haven't well, I'd never been to Mardi Gras before. So yeah. I knew that there was like parades and a lot of and a lot of partying, but um I didn't really know what to expect. But it was it was really good, but I feel like all of us will attest to the fact that it wasn't a moment that I guess you get to soak up. Because mm. we sort of like got there and it was a long day already and we were sort of like you know, had been rehearsing and, and all of that kind of stuff. And then we walked to the parade and we didn't really know what to expect and how yeah. long it was. So we were like, we, we were kind of, we had it worked out that like the parade worked and that each nation would come forward and do a little bit of choreography. And then at the end, we'd all vote down. Yeah. So like, there'd be like a vote track started, but we had no break in between. But what we noticed is that, that like other floats were like walking for a little bit and then they'd stop and then like do their own dance routine. But we were just repeating the dance routine over and over Throughout. again. I think we did yeah. it like, yeah, I think we did it like <laughs> five times. And by the end, like by the end time that like the last like, um, like Vogue song came on, like we, <laughs> people were just walking. Like we were yeah. just like, 
oh, whatever. Like, we were like, <laughs> we can't, like it was so tiring. And then we, we got to the end of it and everyone was like sore and tired and stuff. And then we all just went like, we were like, we're going to party. We're going to have a drink afterwards. Most of us went back and went to sleep. Because <laughs> we had to like we had to drive back the next day to, to Brisbane right. from Sydney. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, hopefully you'll be there next year with us. No, I will. I'll definitely be there. Um yeah. so I think we should wrap it up soon. But I wanted to ask you, um, what is some advice that you have for our listeners who are struggling with their identity and also being Christian? Um look I like I, I would say that my advice would be don't don't wait till a moment that you have all the answers or that things are definite, like, because you'll be waiting forever. Like, no one has the answers to issues like this. Like, they mm-hmm. just don't as much as people would like to tell you. And I would say, like, you have to get to a place where you have to be good with your relationship with God. And you also, but you also have to understand as well that, you know, in leading this kind of lifestyle, your relationship with God might now change in terms of your understanding of of where that relationship, what what an expression of that relationship looks like for you. You can't be like living your life out of fear of what other people are going to say about you or to you and what other people will tell you about your faith and whether that makes you a good Christian or not a good Christian. You have to know what that looks like for you. You know, you have to you have to know what that looks like for you. And when you have that foundation, you will be able to do a lot more in terms of finding your identity, coming out to your family, um, living your life happily and fulfilled. You'll be able to do that a lot easier if you have, you know, a firm foundation of who you are and what it looks like for you to be queer and Christian because it doesn't look the same for everybody. But you've got to kind of, you know find yourself in that before you even try to um, tackle your other big issues. You've got to have a foundation to work off against so that when everything seems like it's crazy and things are falling apart, you've got at least that to come back to. But that would be my my main advice to someone in that position. Oh, I love that. Um, so before we wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I was so grateful that you um, were willing to share your story because it's not easy. Um, the things that you're doing um, I've been watching you for a minute now and um, I'm so impressed by you you're so intelligent and like I was a bit intimidated to be honest to come on here and talk to you because I was like I don't want to sound dumb not at all not at all it's been so good no you're welcome we'll definitely have you again um, hopefully in like real life Um, but yeah thank you so much No, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful.